Hey there, boys and girls. It is November 12th, 2014. 16, Katya. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of the Selena Sagrada Podcast. What's so, up? Uh, someday in November. <laughs> um, so anyway, we just took a quick break so you guys can do some work because we're, you know, we're respectful to our guests like that. <laughs> <laughs> and we took the time to actually plug in the mics. <laughs> we just we just spent 40 minutes, was it? 40 yeah, 40, did 45 of the greatest fucking minutes. I mean, this, this was like fucking Nobel speech worthy shit. <laughs> That we did not record. <laughs> uh, it's like that Tenacious D song, you know, the greatest song in the world. <laughs> Couldn't this remember. Is just a tribute. Yeah, this yeah. is a this is a tribute to the first episode that we recorded <laughs> ten minutes ago, which was awesome. Uh, so we're sitting here with the guys from this Madre. Now, now I feel like I really know you. And now I can chill, dude. Let me a buck. Um, yeah, we're sitting here with with. I want to say Chuchina, but like, dude, nah, I'm not, I'm not, I don't know you that well. You don't know me that well. We, yeah, <laughs> we're here with with Sammy and Jesus, and they're pretty much the whole team at Desmadre, Desmadre.com. Um, they're, the, they're the guys behind El Mundo, Masa and Power, and the best PSAs money can buy. Those things, dude, because again, my girlfriend works in government and she's like, why aren't all PSAs like this? Like, this is fucking badass. Like, I love this. Um, but anyway, what, as we were talking before into empty mics. Um, <laughs> <laughs> shit, we have to tell all that whole story again of my son Power. Um, so again, my son Power, that, that's the big one because it's got two seasons. Uh, like you said in the previous episode, it's, it's a fucking full, full feature like film, essentially. Uh, at this, what the? I guess I gotta ask the same shit, start right? Over, yeah. yeah, fine. yeah. So fine. how did you meet Jingle Bling? No. <laughs> but anyway, first, yeah, yeah, because because yeah, Jingle Bling was involved in that, and and so so you reached out to him. You said right? Yes, but it but I think it requires explanation before and how does Madre. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, there you go. And, I mean, shit. I, I I had practice. You know, let's start at the beginning. Let's start at that. You know, you you had this idea. You had this idea for a, a media company, right? Was it? Yeah, basically a media company, a media brand. Like, is being a big fan of like Funny or Die and Vice, and kind of these emerging um, media brands. And and uh, I say brand because they're not just like a, they're not networks. Networks distribute content that other people make typically. Um, and we're not just a production company because production companies make stuff and other people distribute it. We kind of do both, and that's what a lot of media companies are doing now. You make stuff, you distribute it using all this new technology that's available. And so um, my background was uh, as originally as a filmmaker. I had a short film that played at Sundance like 10 years ago. I'm actually going to be 10 years anniversary of that. And... Um, and then I tried to develop a feature film script that I wrote that went through the Sundance Labs. And it was really difficult to uh, find money for that uh, because it was, quote unquote, like a Latino project. And the other thing um, I recognized at the time as I was trying to do the feature film was that, you know, like you, you could have a film or a project at Sundance or South by Southwest or the best film festivals in the world and still only a few hundred people are going to see those projects. Yeah. Whereas people on YouTube are getting, you know, millions of views, and yeah. hundreds of thousands of views. And so the idea was like, how do you how can we make stuff that we really want to make, control it and just distribute it ourselves? And that's kind of where this Madre came about. And uh, three years ago, you know, I had started really seriously considering how to do this, how to launch it. 
Sammy was getting out of college and was starting to do filmmaking on his own and had made a few videos that I thought were really like dope. Um, I thought, you know, obviously you can't do it all yourself, so you need somebody else, at least another person. <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, I told him about this idea and, you know, the name Des Madre came about and I was like, oh, that's dope. And um, convinced a couple of friends of mine to pitch in some money to start this company, basically. Um, Sammy, um, like I said, had graduated from college and moved back home to Texas. And um, we started, you know, coming up with like, okay, what's going to be the launch of content? And it, we, I wanted to do like cinematic kind of premium stuff, at least cinematic indie, let's call it. Um, and so I knew we were going to do a web series at some point. And one of the biggest rules in, on online media is to grow. You basically grow with partners. So you look for other people who already have strong followings. You do projects together, da 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 da. Chigo was big. He's not as big as he was now, but he was already had you know a really strong social media presence. Yeah. And so he was one of the people that I definitely wanted to work with from the very beginning. And we approached him uh, with the idea. The idea from us and the power was like, okay, like obviously like the Tamale Kingpin was a phrase he had already used. Right, that was kind of part of his persona already. Yeah. He was slanging tamales out of the trunk, blah, blah, blah. Um, when I called him up, I told him, hey, I'm starting this company. I, I want you to be a part of it. Maybe we can come up with a web series together. And you know, basically, I was like, you just need to be in it. We'll fund it. We'll put it together. Like a week or so, or a few days before meeting with him, I didn't have like a real solid idea quite yet, but... Um, I figured it had to be, you know, in his wheelhouse. It had to be kind of this fit his persona. And then we had, I had seen um, American Hustle, like a trailer for it the night before. And I really loved like the vibe and like the, the feel of it, like the, the costumes and just that whole 70s vibe. Yeah. The leisure suits and all that. And so I pitched that to him. I said, yeah, it could be this, you play this kingpin, this drug kingpin, who uh, instead of selling drugs, you're selling tamales, you're an illegal, undocumented, sorry. Um, <laughs> scratch that we're gonna have to start over yeah. <laughs> um, and he dug it he was like that's dope I really like this idea um, I hadn't written a single thing yet but I wrote uh, the first episode you know in an evening or whatever and then uh, a few days later sent that to him he was like this is awesome I love it um, and yeah I think maybe two or three weeks later because we shot that in early December uh, flew him out here and I got Wayne, who had been in another project that I did, Jerry, Jerry McDaniel, and a couple of other actors. Um, and, you know, that whole episode took place in a parking lot. Yeah. Right? It, it was like a fight in the parking yeah, lot. Yeah, yeah, hell yeah. And we shot that um, at a parking lot of a shut-down Taco Bell. Oh, really? Like, in the back of it. like, if you look at the building, you can tell it's like those old... You know how the Taco Bells used to look alike? They were like that brick, the kind of big brick. Yeah. They had the, the Spanish roof. Yeah. A little courtyard in front. That was the back of the Taco Bell what that had been fuck? shut down in El Camino and in Palo Alto. Um, and we, li we didn't even have any lights. It was so fucking, like, ghetto. Yeah. Like, we had two cars. <laughs> we, just turned, <laughs> we just turned the, headlamp, the headlights on. And then... Like uh, high beams or what? Yeah, we turned the high beams on. But they were actually still too, they were too bright. But what we, we did have some, um, basically like a, like, it's like a sheet, like a, like a silk, they call it a silk. And it just takes the, the light down. It kind of, you, it's like a white soft thing. And yeah. we covered the headlights with that and that made it down a little bit. But 
we shot that first episode literally like in four hours outside of a Taco Bell and it was freezing and Chico, like everybody like in between takes, people were take, putting their jackets on and stuff. Um, yeah, that's how Masa and the Power came about. Uh, well, and then and from Masa and the Power came the, the Juan Yerbas character. And um, so and did that character, did you have an idea for that character before? Is that, is that something... That, that you had played with, or is it just like, we need an, another character for this show, and you created it then and there? Uh, yeah, it's definitely the latter. <laughs> I <laughs> wasn't really um, interested in uh, being in front of the camera. Quite frankly, I don't really... Um, I think I'm still trying to learn how to do it, and every week that I watch uh, El Mundo, you know, there's always one little thing that I feel like I could have done better or whatever. I yeah. just um, don't. And I also, you know thinking about like the the kids that I went to high school with in theater and college like they're really fucking annoying you know so I kind of <laughs> had like a bad taste in my mouth for yeah. for actors I guess but I I really liked um, uh, from in terms of uh, filmmaking if that's what you want to call it I really like editing and then yeah so it was mostly just out of necessity that uh, Juan Niros came and the the structure was already there it was uh, Chingo was the, the 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 boss or whatever and then it was like the white dude and he has two sidekicks right so it's like the white yeah. guy and then the the guy who plays the other side human resources yeah <laughs> you basically need a white guy for permits you know yeah. for like if you need a business license yeah. or insurance yeah. or permits he had to, he had to have the white guy yeah. and then the other guy was either kind of gonna be like the muscle or like the the brains which ended up being like yeah. the, the grower muscle, right yeah. <laughs> pothead logic uh, but yeah it was it, yeah it was that that was pretty much it it was just kind of like another sidekick. And then it was uh, initially, you know, it's changed a lot in terms of like how Wanderbas exists now for El Mundo's, for Mas and the Power was like, he, he was like a gardener, weed yeah. documented person, which is a cool character, I think, still. But um, I think it was because it was set in the 70s that I didn't, uh, I guess we may have not have foreseen the way uh, Juan Yerbas exists now because Juan Yerbas is all about talking about like the present day, right? So yeah. It's a very modern sort of uh, figure, if you will. Whereas in Mas and the Power, he was just like this uh, sidekick from the 70s, even though, whatever, not to get too technical. Yeah. But yeah, it was, it was out of necessity that he was made. And then from there, um, yeah, you know, it's been almost three years since that first. Um, yeah, the, what Sammy touched on earlier, I wanted to, do, want to talk about this, is that like when we started working on this Madre, Sammy had no intention of becoming talent in front of the camera. And uh, I don't know if you... Talentos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, uh, I don't know if you ever saw that we did a few sketches called Employee Numero Uno. You, no. know, you can look them up on YouTube, and basically, it's like we were we needed like some video. We were like, we got to make something, like we got to put something online. And this was like pretty much like probably around December, right? Because um, they were some of the first things we dropped, and um, literally, it's me being like the the CEO of Desmadre, and then he comes in to interview as employee numero uno, you know. And so that's jefe culero, right? Is that yeah? But we didn't call it that back then. Uh, but, okay. but yeah, I was just like, you know, this mother CEO, and then he comes <laughs> in. I'm like, hey, good to meet you. And then like, you know, I like ask him like, he's like, how many Steve Garcia? Or he makes up some name or whatever. <laughs> and uh, I was like, so uh, where are you from? And 
he's like, uh, what do you say, Guatemala? He's yeah. like, oh, my parents are from Guatemala. And I was like, uh, we're only hiring Mexicans. And he's like, <laughs> and he's like, uh, actually, uh, and he's like, actually, I'm Mexican. He's like, okay, cool, you're hired. <laughs> <laughs> so we did like four or five of those. And then like people saw them and like, we, I mean, I saw that and I was like, dude, you're really good. You know, he was really good in those. Just kind of fucking, just kind of fucking around. He was really good, you know. Um, and uh, and then so then when when the first character Jerome in the first episode of Master of the Power he dropped out because he was too good for us. <laughs> <laughs> He's actually a pretty good actor, but uh, he just was like not interested in doing it anymore, and he moved to L.A. to um, yeah we need another character, and they were just like all right Sammy you're doing this because you're pretty good at this. And we struck we initially we I think like initially he was Juan Verde, <laughs> and then. Uh, Juan like, Yerbas no, is, is better. Sam is like, no, I think Yerbas is better. Yeah, um, it goes really well. And then uh, we were talking about the 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 stand-up guy, Flaco. Yeah. Um, what was, I forget his character's name, but he was the antagonist, essentially. What was the character? <laughs> Ernesto. Ernesto. Ernesto, yeah. Oh, yeah, his name was Ernesto Lagañas. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What's his real name? Isaac Flaco Martinez. Yeah. I, I, yeah. So yeah, he's a stand-up that. Um, look it up out of right LA, now. yeah. Out of LA. Oh, out of, oh, I thought he was no, lo- he's local. Not local. Oh, he's okay. Yeah. Because yeah, you go to the improv here, it's always the same Mexican dude that opens up. <laughs> 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 yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and that was that. That was like a year later. That was season two. Because season one ended up was five episodes. Yeah. So we did the first episode. We dropped it. People like loved it, and we're like, oh fuck, okay. So we brought Chingo out again. We shot episodes two, three, four, and five, um, just kind of ourselves. Like it was a small crew, like, and we just did it like over like probably a week, five days. Mm-hmm. The the second episode was when they hired Juan Yerbas. It was all set in the apartment, right? And they called you and like you were like, this is bullshit. And then they go to the apartment and you nut your pants when he shows you that. <laughs> gives it one kernel. Yeah, the kernels. I and was then, like like an hour after I met Chingo for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. He had just come out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that um, was all shot here in San Jose? Yeah, like Mountain View, Palo Alto. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. It's all San Jose to me, bro. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the greater Silicon Valley. Yeah. Oh, shit, my Mike is up. No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. oh, you see, you're funny, dude. You're funny. Yeah. That's why you're in front of the camera. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So we shot the first episode, the first season. That was like it's gonna be three years ago in the in the winter, and then we dropped that whole first season like in the spring of I guess it's fourteen, spring of two thousand fourteen. People dug it. That did pretty well, and then we did the Kickstarter for season two, and that's where Ernesto Isaac came in. Because we needed a boss, yeah. like somebody to go up against. We didn't have that. Season one was all like kind of bullshit, <laughs> right? Like it was Act One, man. Every yeah. Like, yeah. get to know the characters. Yeah. Act Two is like the antagonist, is like fuck you. Yeah. Yeah. Now we need an Act Three. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Definitely. We need an Act Three. Man. <laughs> we do need an Act Three. It didn't. Yeah. We need closure, man. We, we need get closure. <laughs> yeah. He was about to. He was about to blow up. Uh, um, no, but I was also uh, your your videos sometimes have a, a socially conscious, you know, tinge. I guess you can say. I never get to use that word before. I think it's the first time. I don't even know if that's a word. It, it, yeah. White people say it, so it's a word. Um, but and is that 
are you trying, you know, to make funny videos or are you trying to get people also to be more conscious? Is is or does that not come into the the creative process at all? I think it definitely comes into it. It's both. I think it's both. Yeah. Yeah. And um but well and we we were talking about the you know, Trump, you know, we were talking about Trump and how it could definitely um affect certain people's lives um and is that gonna is that gonna factor into future episodes or are you you know is that is that does that create any ideas for any potential new characters or new videos or something that four years of that (laughs) (laughs) oh god yeah in many ways sadly it, it does provide a wealth of material i think and it will provide a wealth of material sadly um Honestly, like I remember, like I'm a big fan of The Daily Show. I used to be a big fan of The Daily Show when Jon Stewart was involved. Yeah. Um, and I loved Election Year because of that. Like, and I would stop watching kind of like for two or three years. And then when the election years came around, I would watch The Daily Show because yeah. there's always so much more bullshit going on. Um, we talk about this a lot, though, and trying to balance it of like trying to make it entertaining and trying to. Uh, like even with Mundo, like we were talking about this a week ago, right? Like about like, I think initially like we did a bunch of episodes that had like, that were more pointed or that were trying to be more pointed. They were trying to be more like Daily Show. Whereas we have, we're always trying to find a balance between that and Saturday Night Live Weekend Update. Yeah. Which is very different, right? Like there's actually a lot more political criticism and analysis in Daily Show mixed with comedy, whereas Weekend Update is kind of like mamadas, typically. Yeah. Um, so we're always trying to balance that. I definitely have a, a, a strong political interest in terms of like just exploring that stuff and trying to figure out how to make it funny. So you're watching like SNL and stuff like that? I don't watch SNL a lot anymore, but I grew up watching it. I mean, mm-hmm. I was, I don't know how old you guys are, but I'm a little older probably, or I'm 39. Oh, shit, 29. I'm 39. And I grew up like... Yeah, you're not a millennial, dude. I'm not. I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm not a millennial. You, you missed the cutoff. Yeah, I missed Gen, the cutoff. Gen X are over here. Yeah. He's got drinks um, Pepsi. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, when, I was, when I was like in middle school and high school, I, I loved uh, Saturday Night Live. And I would watch it every weekend. And, you know, that, and then, that was like when Dana Carvey, that was like yeah. Wayne's World, Dana Carvey, Mike Myers, like that whole, you know, Norm MacDonald... Uh, and then Dude, Norm's got to be the best weekend update. Do you have a, a favorite weekend update host? Because that's like that to me. Yeah. That was a big deal. That was that was a big yeah. honor to be able to host that. Oh yeah, that's huge. Yeah, that's a huge. Because like those are always Kevin Nealon did it. Norm, um, Jimmy Fallon. You know, I actually Jimmy did it as much as I don't. Actually, Jimmy Fallon's good now, but he's very vanilla now. I would say, um, but I enjoyed it a lot when he was weekend update with Tina Fey. Like yeah, the way they played off they of were, each other was really good. She's a good writer. Yeah. She's a fucking, she's funny. Yeah, I thought they were pretty funny. But yeah, we're always going back to El Mundo and the politics of it and, and the other content. I think even in Masa and the Power, like one of the first, um, we did it on the, was it the first season or second season? When we did? The one, the... No, I'm trying to remember when the Marina, I guess it was the beginning of second season. Mm-hmm. Marina, who's this writer out of New York, she interviewed us for this thing and she was like, um, she asked me, "Have you?" She said, "Do you know who Oscar Seth Acosta is?" 
And I said, of course I do. Do you guys know who he is? Nope. Nope. Fucking bastards. <laughs> Dude, we just drink beer and talk shit on the mic every week. You know, have you, have you ever read the auto, auto, autobiography of the brown buffalo? No. Revolt of the cockroach people? All right, you guys got to get up on this I'm shit. I'm reading Blood and Thunder right now. The story of Kit Carson and the conquest of the American West. Interesting. <laughs> but um, so, yeah, no, go ahead. Oscar Seth Costa yeah. was, is basically the person that, um, um, uh, what's his name? Um, Hunter S. Thompson. Hunter S. Thompson's sidekick is based. What, what's the character? They called him something else. Yeah. The Samoan, you know. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you've read the, much Hunter S. Thompson, Fear and Loathing, but there's always the, character, the big character, the, the, the Latino or the Samoan guy. Hunter S. Thompson's real friend was Oscar Seta Acosta. Oscar Seta Acosta was a Chicano rights activist and attorney out of L.A. who was also a fucking degenerate. And there's a whole, and he was an author, and those are the two books he wrote. And those are two of my favorite books in the Chicano literature canon, if you will. And so Marina asked me, she's like, have you read those? And I was like, yeah, of course I have. She says, I see that in Masa the Power. So, yeah, that's it. Like, don't like, tell anybody. What the fuck? You got on? <laughs> <laughs> it's like some shit word for word out of that. Don't tell no. No, no I mean the themes, yeah. thematically and kind of like the empowerment, but also like the the kind of the, the the loose approach to the style, which is like, but but there's still some intelligence there, which is I think the Hunter S. Thompson approach and you know Gonzo journalism. Like in many ways, Massa Power is kind of like Gonzo filmmaking. Like it's it's politically tinged, but it's it's really like based in some social consciousness, and it's also very like raw, and that's yeah. that's a style that I was trying to go for with it, um, dude. And it's and it's uh, for it being a web series and and kind of you know done done with with the available budget. It's 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 very well shot, you know. It, it's it's very I guess easy to watch. You know, sometimes you're just like fuck, dude. These these people just just slap this together but it was it was very well well shot you know and um and yeah that's why i was like fuck this has to keep going this this, this, this is this is this is so good I mean, and it it was a you know again i i'm really gl- glad i came across it and i'm glad that you guys again oh you know we're, we're so willing to do this because i i really love what you're doing and, and like i said being from from selena's because you know ultimately this is selena's underground podcast um that's such a heavily mexican town and like I was telling before we started recording, is sometimes it seems like, again, being from such, it's a small town ultimately. It's a little farm town, 160,000 people. 160,000? 160, yeah. Which I know for California, that's fucking like, small. That's one neighborhood for us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's like fucking seven trees here or some shit. Um, so anyway, yeah. So, so, and what, what sometimes I think, you know, we, because it's, and it's a fucking island as well. You know, we're surrounded by fucking farmland. So sometimes I think people, people in, in, in Martown, they, they think that this is it, you know, this is the whole world. And if I'm, if I'm the king of this world, if I'm the top of the heap, then everything is okay. And, um, and, but there's very little room for failure, very little room for weakness, very, very little room to make mistakes, you know? And so that what I love about what you guys are doing is that it's, it is silly. And, and and it is off the wall, but it obviously like again it, it comes from a very very intelligent and well thought out background. You know, like what what we see is funny, but like I say, when I when I finish watching El Mundo or the little two minute clips, I laugh my ass off. But when I'm done laughing, I know something more about the world. You know, and and you know, or something 
I, I I'm forced to think. You know, like it, it might have been a joke that, that Juan Yerba said, but but then when you actually sit there and kind of ponder it, you're like, wait, what the fuck? There was, there was deeper meaning to that, you know? And so that's why I was, I wanted to reach out to you guys because it's like, it's funny intelligent, you know, which I, I don't know why. Again, I might live in that bubble, but it just seems like... You don't. And, and I'm going to stop you right there. Yeah. And Sammy, you should just talk about like, not only like our neighborhood, like where you grew up or whatever, but like talking about like the East San Jose mentality and like the... Like what you guys are describing is common everywhere, regardless if it's small or large. Yeah. Because you see like a closed off mentality from people who stick around to where they're from. I think it's really important to like leave for a while. Dog, I'm fucking dude. In high school, you should be forced. Yeah. Forced yeah. one month. <laughs> you you're living in Michigan for a month. No, you, you know? should you should live for at least a year or something. Yeah, um, you yo. Fuck. But but I mean, you see that he, we we're barely getting to know like San Jose people. Even though I've lived here forever, I've actually lived more like in the like Silicon Valley bubble because I I came out here for Stanford. That's how I got here, and I know mostly like tech people than people that I went to Stanford with. Since we moved into this office a year and a half ago, we've gotten to know more local people, and we see like. It is more like a small town. And there's like local, you know, it's like local pride and all that sort of stuff. And it's great, but in many ways it's also limiting because you're just like, okay, this is where I'm from. Like San Jose is the best or whatever. Yeah. It's like really, like no place is the best. Like you should strive to make it as good as possible. Like, bitch, have you been to San Francisco? <laughs> That's oh, that, 45 minutes away. They'll, they'll, you know, like, that, yeah, you're, you'll, you'll get your fucking hate, you know, somebody hit you in the face if you, they hear you say that around here. But, <laughs> but I mean, I'm just saying that like that small town mentality is, is, is a, a product of anywhere you're from, I think. And uh, anywhere, I think like maybe if you're like lower income and you haven't explored a lot of places outside of that, because um, where I'm from in Fort Worth, like there were, you know, where I'm from, a place called Diamond Hill on North Side is very like it's hood, it's hood, you know, and it's the same kind of mentality. Yeah, okay. you have to get out. It doesn't matter where you're from. You but could they, be from San Francisco, and then you're just a fucking douchebag liberal who's never <laughs> dog. Yeah, who's sad that uh, <laughs> at the events that transpired this week. Yeah, San Francisco's <laughs> crying. That ain't fog, dude. That's all their fucking tears. <laughs> <laughs> But we talk about that a lot. I don't know if you want to talk about that. Just like the mentality of trying to explore like the world at large versus like, you know. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, if it's part of El Mundo, like, save it for that. Everyone go to YouTube <laughs> yeah. and watch it right now. No, no, it's just that's what you're yeah. trying to go, say. Go to episode 27 of the July 3rd one. Yeah. I, I touch on this. <laughs> <laughs> No, I don't think uh, we've actually ever directly, definitely not directly, uh, talk about this. But um, exclusive. I don't know if, you, if you saw the, I guess I just have to go back to to Dave Chappelle. You know, that's I grew up. That's kind of who I model my kind of sense of humor on more than anyone else. I think, especially Chappelle's show specifically. Uh, you know, those seasons came out when I was in middle school. You know, I still watch that shit and like. 10, 15 years later and it's still hilarious and it is the same kind of thing that's on the surface it's like very stupid and really silly but he's always trying to kind of point it at something and I think the be- my favorite one of my favorite episodes of his is is the the Law and Order one where he it's like such a simple concept where he switches the 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 what crooks have to go through what thugs have to go through with what the CEOs of 
whatever company go through in the court system. Yeah. And so he plays this guy who's like this gangster who's getting like all of this like lawyer, all of his lawyers to help him get out of something. Whereas the CEOs, this white dude gets like, you know, his door fucking caved in <laughs> and they arrest him or whatever. My point is that, you know, there's always, um, um, in, in Chappelle's show, there was always like this really like silly way of doing things, but it was like this, this, uh, he was always trying to say something beneath all of that stupidity or whatever. And, um, as far as the, um, the small town versus the the whatever point of view that I guess we're different and I, I think it's kind of crazy just because I feel like we didn't really grow up in like a big uh, uh, community family community because like uh, our family is basically all in Mexico like just um, our parents are the only people that are here yeah with the exception of like a few people but uh, by and large you know like I feel like we're a little more isolated. And so, um, even though we are Mexican as hell, you know, we, our parents, our entire family, whatever is very, very Mexican. Um, there's almost like this sense of, of, for me personally, at least that, that I embrace my Americanness as well. And the thing that I think can be sometimes problematic when, um, when I see a lot of the the kind of conversation that happens online with the Latino community, with the Chicano community, is that it's very um, exclusive. Like I don't, I, I I think there is an issue if you are solely blaming white people for for the or the system, which is very. I I totally agree, and I know that there is a problem, and that there is structural sort of like um, uh, problems that do like put certain people at a disadvantage, whether you're Latino, black, whatever. Um, but I think that um, <coughs> that the conversation should be more about um, how like essentially, yeah, you know, like how can you really make a change and it is by owning your own shit. And I think that is kind of uh, definitely part of the ethos of, of Desmadre, you know, of the reason that we're not like trying to, you know, like uh, be like other types of, of um, Latino type of media right now where they're, <clears throat> where they're, I'm not, I don't know, like I, I feel like the, the fact that we own this, our brand is very sort of empowering. Yes, we obviously have like a much fucking steeper um, <coughs> mountain to climb or whatever, but at the end of the day, like you can't like shit on the system because that's the same system that we can take advantage of and then ultimately help each other out with. Whereas yeah. trying to uproot it completely, I think is like, it's just gonna take too long. You know, it's not, it's not realistic that you can completely uproot a system and then expect to. So yeah, and I mean, and this is kind of crazy to talk about right now considering what just happened, of course, uh, Donald Trump is uh, the president of- Fuck the system now. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it, it's it sucks. You know, because um, as as much as like uh, as much as it sucks that democracy, American democracy, is slow, and it's you we, I think we don't think about it enough in terms of like uh, like history. You know, because at the end of the day, you know, like two thousand sixteen 
is better than like 1960. You know, there's still a lot of really fucked up ass shit happening. Yeah. But there, we're it's just like this slow process that 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 I I don't think people know how to speed up in any way. It's just a matter of you have to wait, and that's why it's like kind of really sucks to think about the fact that I think we just took a huge step back. You know, in terms yeah. of uh, electing President Trump, because. Um, yeah, you know, Hillary, that's another thing that really kind of annoyed me about the, the way that people were talking about Hillary is like all these people were criticizing her because she was corrupt da, 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 and it's like she's she she is another member of the system of the liberal political elite or whatever. Yeah. But it's like, yeah, I don't know. Someone could argue against I would love for someone to tell me why my sort of like mode of thinking is incorrect or whatever. But it's like this is what we were given and so it was up to us to choose whether we wanted Hillary or wanted Trump and i think it's a it was a binary decision you know it's like you you had to pick one of them and i think i still think that Hillary was that choice in in terms of continuing the progress and i guess last thing i'll say is that it sucks for for that there were still you know like 60 million people that that voted for Donald Trump and so what does that say about america because you know he, the the thought of like twenty million people voting for him is crazy to me. Yeah. Like ten million, five million people like actually thinking he was all right, and then furthermore, people who are actually like uh, being empowered with like you know actual racism, xenophobia, homophobia. Those kind of people are the, the the scariest part of this whole this whole thing because they're like the extreme. But then there's like this big spectrum of people who think it's okay or not. They might not say it out loud, but with their actions, I think. By not um, by choosing to vote for him, that that's gonna see. You know, it's it's we're at playing another waiting game at, at this point. You know, we we don't we don't know exactly what's gonna happen. And I think a lot of people, especially in this in our community, are definitely on edge, and we're like scared and and just worried that um, that you know that this essentially this progress that I'm talking about, this slow progress, but I think progress nonetheless has been thrown, you know, there's a huge, it's it, it's it's being challenged, like, very, very, like, yeah, significantly. Right. It's extremely overt, yeah. yeah. It's very overt. Whereas, I guess, over the past, you know, like, 30 years, there was, like, I keep, I, I just keep thinking about all these people that still exist, you know, it's almost like you have to also kind of uh, criticize the, the liberal sort of elite for thinking that they could just, like kind of power through and and you know like th that they could that were that they were going to be able to power through yeah. and everything was going to be all yeah. right and in some ways i think is also problematic that they didn't see because ultimately it's like white people you know it's like the people that uh i've been thinking about this in the past couple of days too about i wonder if like if this like liberal elite was so like um it was almost like they they didn't want to believe that other white people thought this way or that that they just didn't want to acknowledge it or something yeah. and that they thought that just by kind of putting your head down and powering through this election with Hillary Clinton as the the nominee that they were somehow going to get it sadly i like i think a lot of it is like they were actually putting their head up <laughs> yeah thinking that it would never happen to the point where like the democratic national committee had not made any sort of plans were this to happen yeah yeah they are, they are making those plans now because there was no there was no readiness plan for this because they literally like i remember a few days before the election they're like no we haven't done any planning because we don't think this is 
ever gonna happen. Clueless. Yeah. I think for me, like the night of, like around like eight eight thirty nine, as soon as it was clear that this was happening, I just kind of started laughing because it was kind of the only thing I could do. Number yeah. one. Yeah. But I was getting really drunk too. Um, but by like other people were like in shock. I didn't feel in shock at that point. I was just like. And seriously, like for a few weeks, a month or two leading up to it, I was mentally preparing myself for this to happen. I said, look, if, if they elected George Bush twice, yeah. <laughs> he wasn't a racist, but he was a complete fucking moron. If we elected Arnold Schwarzenegger in California, in the 90s, we elected a racist in California named Pete Wilson. Yeah. We We've voted. been through this shit. Yeah. And, it, and to think that it can't happen is ridiculous. I was talking to somebody like a day or two after, and they were like, I'm still in shock. And um, I, I was just like, I'm not. Like, I was like, I, was like, I, I, did, I, I was hoping for the best. I was not vocalizing any of this because I d- obviously like, don't want him to win, and I was doing my best for like Team Hillary, whatever. But she's like, I can't believe She's like, you don't, you're not surprised? And uh, I was like, She's like, I'm still in shock. And I was like, it's because you're a white woman. <laughs> Part of the liberal elite. And I was like, you did, you did not grow up yeah, exactly. brown in this country. You, you do not expect this sort of shit. Another thing, too, that, that I've been thinking about in the past couple of days, too, is how, because um, we're from Texas, it's another sort of perspective, too. I feel similarly about like not being totally shocked because it's... the. I guess in the small circle that I have here that of, of my friends or people that I know here are by and large Mexican or Mexican-American, Latino or something, right? Yeah. Um, so I feel in the past couple of days this since it's happened, since we president-elect Trump or whatever, uh, I felt completely safe. You know, it sucks ass, you know, fucking <laughs> feels like shit or whatever, but you walk out the door and you're like, I feel fine. It's like this really bizarre feeling. But then I think about like where we grew up and other parts of the South, and then you're hearing all these fucking horrifying stories of people already kind of like um, being like attacked or whatever. Yeah. And it's like shit. Like I'm I'm in a bubble up here, even though it's it, it's kind of like a um, unfortunate to think about that people in South and actual uh, all of the marginalized communities are now having to sort of put their guard up in a way that we never have before so um, I, yeah I, I have no idea what the fuck is gonna happen and um yeah yeah keep making funny videos we were, yeah. born, we were born here so we got that <laughs> yeah exactly we got, yeah. We no we're that. see i think that's like look like there's like people who say like oh you got like white privilege or whatever we have basically citizenship privilege yeah fuck yeah we can be completely oblivious we can act a fool you can go get in your car and drunk drive, and the worst that can happen is you're going to get in jail for a little bit. Not that I'm advising that. But, <laughs> but what I'm saying it's is... Like, like three grand for a lawyer. Yeah, you <laughs> drop, you know, you're going to be out 10 grand, and you're going to go to jail for a while. But basically, you can live your life as wantonly stupid as you would like. Yeah. Everybody else who's undocumented here and who's a part of our system and part of our society who's making your sandwich or your fucking tacos or cleaning your house or whatever the fuck fixing your car that's they, very racist of you we do other <laughs> we do other shit bro undocumented people undocumented <laughs> folks although yeah. i do agree there are a couple of we are having a few people who are attorneys and they're DACA recipients later but yes that is racist um 
<laughs> so I completely fucking derailed you. No, they can't. They can't live their lives as they might normally live them because they have to be on their quote unquote best behavior. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Well, no, I I go back and I I think of that Tigres del Norte song, you know, La Jaula de Oro. And just because the cage the cage is gilded does not mean it's not a prison, you know. So and and yeah, people don't understand that, and, and that is one thing. I was talking to uh, a friend of mine who is white and a Trump supporter, and Selena's. Damn, that was that was risky for him. Um, but I was like, you you don't understand what it's like when, when when you when you're at the grocery store, and and it's only you in that aisle with with that that eighty five year old white lady. And she fucking huddles a little bit, and you gotta smile hard. Like you gotta be more non-threatening. You're like, dude, I'm not. I'm not a threat to you at all, anyway. You know, but because you're just like, you see them react. You know, and they like, you don't understand what that's like. You for one day, you you won't know what it's like to have to try to be nicer. To to already, you know, look, at, dude, I fucking my Spanish is terrible. I love mayonnaise, you know, like I'm fucking, I'm American as fuck, you know? I eat ass. But, but yeah, but because I'm Osvaldo Lucero, I, you know, I have to, to, to smile harder, you know, again, or I have to try to seem non, non-threatening, you know? And it's like, and, and you know, the, the, the thing is like, it's not just like ethnicity because women go through the same thing. Like a woman in the workplace, even if she's white, Smile. Don't be a bitch. Why, why don't you ever smile? They don't ask men to smile. Fuck no. You know? Yeah. So, and even, even I'm, you know, all the shit that, like, gay LGBTQ people have to go through, you know? But it's basically, like, if you're not a white male, that's, you know, that is the, the thing. And there is a lot of white male resentment. I don't give a shit. I'll fucking say that. I know there is, like, uh, and there's white female resentment now, too, because they all voted for Trump, too. <laughs> I felt uh, so bad for all the one, all the women wearing wh- uh, white on a, on election night because it was like the women's suffrage. They all wore white, and like for Trump to be elected, and they're all in this like symbolic dress, and it's just <laughs> like ah, oh, you could almost feel their sadness through the screen. <laughs> it's not funny. No, no. <laughs> well, again, we laugh because the only other option is to cry. <laughs> so, so yeah. we got to try to keep it lighthearted. We're here fucking interviewing people that do a comedy show. And we're fucking talking about grim ass Donald Trump. <laughs> but taking it back to like the content and the stuff we do, like, I mean, I think Chappelle show has always obviously been like a big inspiration for what we do. I would say the other sort of kind of filmmakers or creators um, that we dig, like, um, what's his name? Will Ferrell's writing partner? Uh, Adam McKay. Adam McKay. Again, a name you always see on the fucking credits, yeah. but you probably walk by him down the street. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah he is. But like, basically, Adam McKay is actually extremely socially conscious. Um, he's even um, if you look up interviews where they talk about um, what the fuck is it called, the Ricky Bobby movie, Talladega Nights. Talladega Nights. Talladega Nights was made as a insider's social critique at, at middle America, at white America. They were like, dude, you know, yeah. and that was their point was like, let's make this thing that's so ridiculous. We'll make fun of all this shit and whatever. And that was very conscious. Like they were making a lot of decisions about that. And then, you know, he went on to make the movie that came out last year about the stock market. Um, what the fuck was that one called? 
The Big God, I have an awful memory. <laughs> the Big Short. Yeah, again, y'all watch a lot of movies. <laughs> <laughs> no, The Big Short's amazing. It's Adam McKay, but it's it's a little more serious, but it's entertaining as fuck, and it's really good, and it's really informative. Um, so I love I love Adam McKay's work, and they do you know all the, the funnier die shit. Um, but yeah, I think that's for me. Like I think that I did a few drama like short films and did it okay, you know, and did the film festivals and whatever. But I think like I've always been into humor and into comedy, and it's like okay, how can you mix the two so that as many people as possible get this, and also so that you can just have some fun while you're doing it. So all right, question you. You have an option for uh, whether El Mundo or Masan Power to get picked up by like Comedy Central, or you're gonna um, direct or film a movie that will be in uh, Oscar contention. What would you decide? Fuck, that's really tough. Yeah, so, dude, I'm fucking. I asked the hard questions yeah. right here, dude. Tom broke up in this bitch. Porn, <laughs> porn. <laughs> you porn um, yeah that's actually really tough cause yeah it's deciding between what you created you know so you'll have all your creative control to be your thing right. or you'll just be part of this project but again an Oscar worthy movie Leonardo Wait, DiCaprio starring and everything that, that I'd be the creative on either one but so do you want to do a movie that's like that has an Oscar contention or a TV show. Yeah, that that's your option. Yeah. You no, know, no, but the TV show would be Desmadre blowing up onto the national level. Right, right. Yeah, I'd probably do that. Oh hell yeah. Yeah, All honestly, right. at this point, like if I was like put a gun to my head and said choose, you get like the Desmadre like kind of mad TV slash SNL sort of thing, or you get to make a movie that could be really good or whatever. I'd probably do a show because I think the reach is bigger. The opportunity to do something on a continuous basis is really important. Um, yeah, and I think we're kind of in TV's golden age. I mean, TV is amazing yeah. right now. Fuck yeah, dude. So Holy shit. Dude, Sopranos changed the fucking game. You know, yeah. once HBO was like, oh shit, we can we don't we can do whatever the fuck we want. Yep. We got a lot of good and then Netflix, dude, Netflix dropping the whole season at once. Yep. Fuck yeah. Well, again, I can't wait until that happens because I know it will. Like, I again, I. It's one of those things. It's it's like, it's mo a lot. Like, I want you to succeed because I love what you do, but I also want you to succeed because I feel. Uh, I don't know. It sounds weird. As a people, we need this. You know, it's really what I want to <laughs> say, but like, I, I, it sounds so fucking cheese dick to say yeah, it like yeah. that. You know. Yeah, yeah. It's funny. But uh, but 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 really, that that that's what I love is you know is I'm like. Dude, there's what 34, 34 million people of Mexican descent in this country. You know what? That's that's goddamn ten percent of the country almost. You know, and um, and it, yeah, we're eleven percent of the country. Yeah. So yeah. so and and it's it's amazing to me how we're still gardeners, mechanics, gangsters in in TV shows. You know, that's still how we're represented in the media. We actually interviewed somebody um who her like college fucking thesis senior project whatever the hell it was was about uh the whiteness of the contemporary mexican um, contemporary media you know where you still have these 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 ethnic roles played by white people and uh you know so it's like dude like what the fuck how can we be so literally one out of ten people in this country is like us one out of ten that's a fucking that's a it's a pretty good number but yet we're we're again maria the housekeeper 
<laughs> and it's like, or, you know, you couldn't have, a, you, Jorge Ramos wouldn't work in fuck on NBC News, you know? Yeah, they bust him out when, when again, Trump said some crazy shit about Mexicans yeah. or something. <laughs> yeah. But other than that, he's he's, he's, he's relegated to, to Univision Nightly News, you know? Fusion or whatever, yeah. Yeah, and again, the dude is so fucking smart. The dude, you know, yeah, one of the things one of the things we've always said with regards to this madre and like the style is that like we're hoping to try to make stuff that actually like non uh, Latinos, non Mexican Americans can enjoy. Sound effect, shingle bling sound effect, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever you hear a car in the background, take a shot. <laughs> be fucked up by the end of this song. But yeah, we, we we try to compare it to like um, hip hop and rap music and say like that was able to cross over to the point where like Mexican kids, white kids, everybody likes it. So we want to be able to try, our goal is to try to make stuff that even though it is like obviously very like from our viewpoint, anybody should be able to watch and crack up. And that's why we've continued to put subtitles on everything. Because yeah. we have a lot of like, you know, white fans who like email or who buy stuff or whatever. And the point is like, we don't want this. We want people to like be able to enjoy this, regardless of whether they speak the language. We want them to pick up the slang. We want them to be able to watch it, and eventually, this will be like rap and hip hop. Like, I yeah, I love, that's a great an analogy because well, I love hip hop, and and again, I'll I'll, I'll put on French hip hop. I don't know what the fuck they're saying. I'm the same way. But I feel the emotion, yeah. you know? I was like, dude, yeah. yeah, fuck whoever you're mad at, dude. <laughs> <laughs> fuck them. You know? I, I'm right there with you. You like Skepta and... Uh, Skepta's the, the, the recent one, right? Yeah, he's a British dude. Oh, he's British, yeah. 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 Uh, who's, the, who's the French guy? Um, fucking, uh, Sean Luke or something. <laughs> Did you say Sean Luke? No. Uh, anyway. What the? Clearly, we know our French rap. Yeah. Yeah. Clearly. Well, again, with the internet and all that, it's like I, I don't have to go to fucking to the hood of Paris and buy a fucking CD at the right. back of a trunk, you know? Right. Which I'm sure that's how, is that how they do. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, I could just hop on YouTube, you know, and, and I, I have everything at my fingertips. Yeah. And so I, I think again that another genius thing that you guys are doing. Genius thing. Another good thing you guys are doing. <laughs> I can, dude, if that's genius level, I, I don't want to. I don't want to put a ceiling on you guys. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I, I love that medium, and and, and again, I, I love that it is getting more successful, and I love that you guys keep doing it, and and I love telling people about this. Yeah, I I, I love like, dude, you know this madre, and there's there has been a couple of people that are like, yeah, yeah, I do. I fucking I follow that shit. Funny. What do you what do you how do you discover YouTube channels? Because one of the things we're trying to do is grow our YouTube channel. And it, like for us, like Facebook is what grows. Like this week, we probably had like 700 new Facebook subscribers. Jesus Christ. You know? and it, We had seven in a week and we're like, fuck yeah! <laughs> Beers for everyone! <laughs> um, but YouTube is slow as fuck. Like for us. Yeah. Yeah. And, and honestly, yeah, I, I trust their algorithms, you know? It, it'll suggest shit for yeah. me. I very rarely do I go out there Search. and explore. Yeah. And I, again, that that's exactly, literally how I came across you guys, you know? I knew, I knew Chingo Bling, and I think I just wanted to, it's just been years since I heard one of his fucking songs, you know? And they're so good. And <laughs> so I just, I was trying to, you know, you know, trying to find one of his songs, and... Then I saw, you know, you see him in his little fucking bodysuit, you know, and he's all fucking doing that in my mouth. 
you know, and then I started watching that and I was like, dude, this guy's actually funny. Like I enjoyed his songs because they were funny. And again, and, and I could relate to them growing up with the shit that he talked about. But then watching his videos, it was like, damn, this dude's got comedic timing, you know, like, yeah. like he's good. And then again, after so much of watching it, then, you know, my, my son power came in and originally I clicked on that, I think, because he had a song called Masa and Flower. And um, <laughs> yeah, and so I, 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 I didn't I, see that either. Yeah. I thought, yeah, I thought that that's what I was gonna listen to, <laughs> you know, because I was like, I, and it said Masa and Power, and I said, dude, I could have swore the song is called Masa and Flower, and it is, <laughs> you know, he, well, he, it's about selling coke, you know, the his song, uh, the, <laughs> Masa and the Flower. Oh shit! And okay. um, but yeah, so so I fucking I thought again, I thought I was gonna watch that, and then I ended up watching. It was like episode six or something of the first season. I was like, what the fuck did I just come across, dude? I <laughs> saw the first one and I was like, this is the most amazing thing. Then I saw you only had two seasons. So I was like, I got to pace myself. <laughs> and um, But yeah, then, then you know, fucking uh, El Mundo came across. And I fucking, I, I, again, I, it's one of those where like, dude, so many, the like, you have to listen in Spanish. Like you gotta under, like I want to tell you, learn fucking Spanish, dude. <laughs> you can read the subtitles, but you're 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 missing you're missing a lot of. I again, I think I love. I think a part of it is the fact that it is written in English and then translated. Because me, well, I, Spanish was actually my first language, but I mean by seven I was bilingual, you know. But um, but ultimately that's how I do Spanish. You know, I think about it in English and then I have to translate it to Spanish. Yeah. So, so something about hearing it that way, you know, it kind of just meshes. And again, this is just me personally talking. I, you know, I don't know. Other people probably ripping their hair out. You know, like what? The <laughs> this isn't fucking. What's it? This isn't, this isn't Juan Ariola. Yeah, like what the fuck? I think the challenge, if you don't, the biggest challenge, if you don't speak Spanish, is that you can't read the subtitles and look at the graphics at the same time. Yeah, that's the thing that sucks. How y'all, dude? How, how do you fucking find the memes to go with the fucking thing? Google.com. Yeah, <laughs> I, lo I love how fucking like damn each, each meme is on point. Like these dudes, it's totally random, really. It's just Google, and it's a very quick. Yeah. yeah you can talk about that. It's hilarious. How about? But yeah, did we already talk about the process, or does that last? Time? <laughs> it starts. It starts off on top of Mount Hamilton. <laughs> So for El Mundo, the process is usually um, we gather up head headlines uh, throughout the week. And then on Tuesday and Wednesday, we uh, start writing. And then by Thursday, we like to shoot before um, the after Thursday afternoon. So if we can get it uh, shot by, you know, 12 p.m. on Thursday, then that's the most ideal because you have more time to get it out by Friday. Yeah. And then, so yeah, usually on Thursday, it's uh, written in, in English. We write everything in English. And then I spend uh, like an hour to translate. Literally just, we'll have two different docs open. One of them is the written in English. And then I start translating it into Spanish. And then, um, yeah, and then we shoot it. And then we spend like a day and a half editing it. And we try and get it out by uh, Friday. We just put one up literally in the middle of doing this podcast on a Saturday. Um, but yeah, we got uh, kind of busy and... He wanted to make sure that, uh, given what the fuck just happened, that it was, uh, you know, uh, on point or whatever. I'm so excited! <laughs> I get to go home and watch it. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, but yeah, yeah, uh, we we uh, so yeah, that's the kind of I guess interesting uh, novel part of of El Mundo is that it's all 
probably, you know, like 90%, if not more, in Spanish and then mixed in with like a little bit of English. But uh, like you were saying, you know, that's a good way of putting it is that uh, other people that, um, other people that can see that it was kind of written with like a sort of American pop. Because at the end of the day, you know, I'm sort of a, you know, mass consumer of, of American, especially like, you know, I like, I love hip hop and, and rap and, a lot of other really stupid ass like memes and shit online you know that's all yeah. like i'm looking at that shit all day or whatever and so um that reflects the um the way that it's kind of communicated into spanish so someone that is like a native spanish speaker from mexico or any other latin american country they hear it and then they know it's not that i'm not a native speaker yeah. and then they may have some criticism for it or whatever but people who are conscious or are aware of the American culture know that that's kind of what's going on, even if they might not be able to put their um, their finger on it. Yeah. And so, yeah, yeah, it's like a lot of. Um, and then once we actually start shooting, is it's gets it, that's when it's really fun too, and that's why you probably go over the 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 length that we would like to stay at. But once we start, when I sit down, the camera's on, audio's rolling. And then you start talking, you know, like some shit will just come into like pop into my head while I'm doing it, and I'll, I'll do it. And if that's funnier than what we than, than what we wrote, then we're gonna use it. I'm trying to think of an example, like from this from this week. Uh, what happened uh, this week? This week. Uh, well, this week, for example, when um, when you do the uh, hand clap. Oh and yeah. The, the flip off. Yeah. That's kind of an act. Yeah, there's like a. I don't watch it. There's a or just like a quick, (laughs) just a quick example. Like, um, Uh, let me see. Uh, What did we do this week? We went. uh, Well, let's think about the uh, the Trump to the future. Trump to the future. I'm trying to think of one where like we came up with something on like on the spot, where I thought it was funnier. Oh yeah, like this this week we do a thing where. We're talking about how uh, we relate voting is like buying a new car and you don't need a new car every eight years. So we're trying to say that like any any party that's been in office for eight years, statistically speaking, has a harder time getting continuing their power because, yeah. you know, people want to change. And so we, so we say like uh, voting is like buying a new car. You don't need one every eight years, but you get bored and then you blow money on like a Hummer or something. And that's yeah, all that the, w- the script basically said that your car payment, it's like having a car payment. When you're done, you don't need a new car, but you're like, eh, you start looking <laughs> around, you buy a new one. Yeah. And that's all the script said. Then yeah. He was like, and then and then I was like, all right, well, I'm going to pretend to be like a Mexican dude who just bought a Hummer. It's like, oh, está bien perrona, ¿verdad, primo? It's like, no, cabrón, regresa la CarMax, porque estás gastando dinero, cabrón. Tienes que poner atención. You know, like, like your car is fine. Yeah, yeah, fine. yeah. You don't need yeah. a new car. Your Civic <laughs> is fine. Yeah. Yeah, and so that that always happens, you know. Uh, and those are fun to do. Those are really, in some ways, like easier. But the thing that you lose is like a uh, coherence, you know. Like you want to be able to write like like a clean joke that makes sense all the way. And the only thing that uh, that can be problematic when you're doing a lot of improvisation is that you're gonna have to fix it in the editing, and then you're just that's that's ultimately. The workflow, trying to figure out workflow is always the hardest, but I think we've been <clears throat> getting a lot better at that. But um, yeah, and like I was saying earlier, I think that that comedy lends itself to improvisation in a way that uh, drama does not. Um, yeah. You know, like dramatists, I think, are very sort of protective of their work. I think 
I've heard or read that uh, writers who don't want their shit like totally like um, chopped up, they they stick to playwriting like theater because apparently it's like the the word is really respected in theater. Everything yeah. like word by word, everything is like uh, really respected. Whereas if you make a movie, if you're a screenwriter, then you you're guaranteed to have your shit like totally fucked up. Like you don't. You know, you give it to someone, and then unless they're you're a complete dick. Yeah, like unless some directors are like, yeah, like yeah. Guillermo Arriaga or yeah. um, Stanley yeah, that Kubrick. Fucking, like, that, yeah, yeah, those guys, and that's cool too. You know, but I don't. Um, that's a different. That's a different method of, of of writing and and trying to get your shit done. And you have to be really sort of like OCD in some ways to 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 ha- want to stick to it so strictly. Whereas comedy, that's why I love comedy and that's why I want to continue doing comedy is because not only is it collaborative, but it's, it's the, I think it's the collaboration that makes it the strongest because if you come up with something that's funnier or someone, then you want to go with the funnier thing. You don't, you don't, you know, if you write like a joke and then you get mad that someone uh, that they took it a different way then i think that you, you shouldn't get mad you know you should be wanting to to get the funniest output possible yeah. whereas if you were like i'm saying with drama and stuff like the drama is like a pr- structure now you know it's like you know Sean Penn uh gets a fucking heart transplant from uh, Noemi uh what's her name Noemi Watts and act one, and then that's going to affect something in act three or whatever. So yeah. it's a lot more, I guess my point is, yeah, with, with uh, El Mundo, it's like a lot more, um, it comes together, or we're still figuring it out, essentially. But with the workflow, yeah, we, we um, always leave it open to the improv, to, to stuff like yeah. on the spot, because that's when, and there's something just weird about just, not weird, but like there's something about actually just, going through the process that you can't get unless you get up there and do it because you know i can sit we can sit at our desk and write jokes all day but then once you start saying it out loud then those other ideas start coming and so well and then i love again the, the comedy aspect because comedy is is usually that that mirror to society you mm. know comedy is what shows you the the ugly parts of of our society but again they're, they're presented in a way that that you know is easy to consume um, again, I'm looking at, at the Bill Hicks book over there, uh-huh. and Bill Hicks was, again, a lot of the greatest comedians were some of the best social commentators, yeah. you know, um, that a lot of them didn't really even tell jokes. We just laughed at kind of like, ah, oh, that's true. <laughs> oh, shit. You know? Hicks. And and yeah. so I, I love that, you know, I, I love that, that, again, the comedy is is a good, like, like you say, you know, it, it's a lot more free flowing it's a lot more open and and again and it does usually hold that mirror to the ugly part of society that dude in fucking watchman uh, the comedian like yeah. that, that was my fucking favorite character hmm. because again he, 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 he it's absurd society that as we've created it is fucking absurd yeah, yeah. it makes absolutely zero sense <laughs> and we like to think we're the fucking highest form of beings in the universe you know yeah. so that's why i love comedy is that you're able to be like nah dude we're, we're all fucking stupid yeah you know we're, we're all fucking what is it michelle de montaigne you know even on the highest throne we're sit, we're sitting on our asses you know like we're all blockheads <laughs> you know we're, we're, we're dumb we're dumb, and 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 again, it, uh, that's why I love comedy, and I love people to do that. And like I said, relating this to to Salinas Underground and to Salinas in general is that I feel in our town, we 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 don't look in that mirror sometimes, hmm. and and again, and sometimes the quote unquote disrespect, you know, is just if you had a sense of humor about it, 
you go about your life, you wouldn't go grab a fucking gun and shoot at somebody for. That's what's interesting. I always think about uh, Jewish people, the Jewish community, and how they were able to take something. You know, I mean, they've more or less a history of persecution. And then uh, now that they set up shop in America and, and now they're the motherfuckers running Hollywood, basically. And uh, yeah. I don't mean that in a derogatory way at all, by the way. It's just facts. <laughs> Please hire me, Judd Apatow. I'm looking for no, work. But, you know, you think about all the, 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 I guess I only know the last wave of, of Jewish entertainers, people like, you know, Woody Allen and, and Larry David and Jewish culture is like that's all they do is they make fun of themselves and they yeah. literally made a business an entire sort of like uh, entertainment industry is um, they made it in large part because they were able to take some really fucked up ass shit that happened to them and turned it into comedy and drama a lot of other sort of arts or whatever but I think at its at, at their core Jewish people have a really good sense of humor and they're really able to uh, and which I, d- I don't think it's as um, clear in the because I think Mexican I can only I'm, I know Latino people are similar or whatever but I'm only speaking I guess for Mexican what I've seen in my own family and community yeah. friends is that w- Mexican people are also good at uh, kind of fucking with each other and we do have a really awesome oh, sense of humor but I just I think that there's a lot more pride that gets in the way that doesn't allow for us if you will to kind of grow from it as opposed to being like oh you made fun of me dog and it's like all right i'm gonna make fun of you too and it's like i'm gonna be funnier like it's it's more competitive and proudful than it yeah. is like trying to get um i think uh, it's a little meaner too honestly. yeah it's a little more mean-spirited and 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 the i'm trying to think if this doesn't make sense or not before i say it but i'm just gonna say it as uh maybe you guys can counter me i feel like Mexican humor makes fun of others, even if they're Mexican, whatever, but it's making fun of others. And a lot of Jewish humor is self-deprecating. Yeah. I don't know if there's a ton of self-deprecating humor in Mexico. They kind of shit on their, like, their leaders or their, you know, other people, like, in their family. But as far as it literally being aimed at oneself, I don't think it's as... It's definitely different for sure. So it's the Spanish in us. I blame them. <laughs> <laughs> like, dude, we were way more chill. <laughs> you, you brought your fucking regalness yeah, I mean, over here. That's, I mean, not to go down that route or anything, Dragons but down. Yeah. fuck Madrid and Barcelona. But, uh, it's <laughs> what I said. What I said earlier about um, personally, I like to embrace my Americanness, and uh, even though you know I'm in a lot of agreements with with colonialism and all the fucked up ass shit that has happened it's like let's just stop dwelling on that shit and like live right the fuck now you know and think about how uh we can use it to our advantage as opposed to essentially being like ashamed of it you know it's like there's like a lot of shame from this from this so-called like the whole decolonization movement i think is kind of silly just on the surface speaking totally superficially about decolonization because you know a lot of people who were just like, all right, you want to decolonize? All right, well, stop speaking English. Stop speaking Spanish. What the fuck? Finally, somebody. That's what I like. Give me your oh, iPhone. Dude. Oh, yeah. No more the- internet for you. Dude. Oh, man. You got so, the white man's thinking. You want me to speak Spanish? Bitch, that's not from the Americas. Yeah. yeah. So, and so my point is that, yeah. that um, I think inherently Mexican people are, um, it's just like a culture of, of shame, unfortunately, and that, that's 
huge generalization, but I think the fact that the whole idea of a mestizo or people that are everyone here, you know, no one here is like 100% indigenous. Like we can all children kinda, of rape. He might be. I'm oh, just saying. Sorry. No, I'm talking <laughs> shit. <laughs> but I think there's, it's it's just like that mix that makes people uncomfortable and perhaps ashamed. And I'm saying like, well, there's nothing we can do about that shit. It's already been written. <laughs> well, no, yeah, it, it's it's crazy how yeah a lot of a lot of Mexican culture here in the states is we want to be accepted. And when they want to go back to all oh, traditional, this is Mexican pride, Aztec pride, or whatever. Uh-huh. When you go to Mexico, those natives, those those the the, the you know the 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 more tr- true Mexicans, they're looked down upon. When they go to the city in their traditional wear, when they're short and brown, they get they get shit on. You yeah, know. there's. A, I think there's a lot of people here, or I don't know. Uh, it almost feels like the Mexican Americans or whatever the fuck you want to call them here are not aware of how like classist and elitist people are in Mexico. Because yeah. in Mexico, that's a whole nother fucking. I don't even understand it fully, but I do know that there is like a really unfortunate like class system that yeah basically puts people who are poor and brown or darker skin. Uh, you know, it's like where are these people reaching to for their um so-called like cultural superiority <laughs> yeah <laughs> but anyway you just gotta do good work fuck yeah. yeah exactly yeah and that i think ties back to what we were saying earlier about you know um not necessarily uprooting the system but in some ways infiltrating it and getting our people to the top getting other diverse a diverse pe- uh, set of people at the top of these, and it's already happening, but we don't see it every day to day. We see these headlines. The media tries to fucking—they don't try, but they, you know, they 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 exaggerate and they are looking for you know like a quick headline. Whereas yeah. on on the day to day level, there are people who are you know starting to work for Apple. They're starting to work for the tech. They're they're starting to get into government, where I think it's the most powerful. So you know, it's a slow process, and that's why motherfucking Donald Trump presidency is so kind of upsetting and depressing and we don't, I don't know what's going to happen. Like It's <laughs> crazy, yeah. Look, I think, I think I de- <laughs> the scariest thing that could happen, I think, is obviously all the deportations, violence. Well, let me, I'll leave that one for last. The deportations <laughs> are challenging. They're going to be challenging for a lot of our family. Um, second, um, not in any particular order, are, is whatever's going to happen with the Supreme Court justices. He could put some really, really super far-right people in. And people I'm also like, available. <laughs> Trump. People, people are like, Trump's pro-gay. Or somebody just put a comment. I'll read this. Trump's pro-Trump. Yes, and If exactly. it benefits Trump him personally, it, he has no issue. Somebody just put a comment on our YouTube, El Mundo, for today. Juan, can you please give a shit about truth? Look up Donald Trump's on LGBTQ. Not saying Trump is the perfect candidate, but he does support gay and lesbian rights. Okay. Let's Asshole Ripper 27, we got a response for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, he has said that, and then he has also said he doesn't, and then the list of appointees that he's considering from the Supreme Court probably don't. And that's what really matters. Aren't you supposed to drain the swamp full? Why are you filling your, your fucking people with... Yeah, it's all the same with people. all swamp people. It's all swamp people. <laughs> He's yeah. throwing the alligators right back in there. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
And and the, the the other thing, obviously, that you know concerns me is is not even anything legislative. It's just the mood and the people, the the fact that people feel empowered to shit on, uh, you know, the underrepresented, as people of color, women, LGBTQ. Like people are empowered. They are now empowered. That is what pisses me off the most. Yeah. That people feel like they are now like superior because they won this vote, and this is happening already. My cousin texted me. She said three high school girls were making, like, they were talking shit at me. This is my cousin that's like a nanny. Yeah. She's like, three fun. little white girls were telling me some shit. Like, who the fuck does that? Yeah. Now they feel like they can do that. Yeah, fuck, yeah. And that's everyday stuff. And at the end of the day, they're not even, they don't even know if my, my cousin is doc, undocumented. She could be a fucking citizen. Yeah. You know? And fuck, that's yeah. fucked up. It changes the spirit of the country. It changes the spirit of our communities in a really fucked up way. And if people say, well, these people were already thinking that. What's the difference? The difference is now they're acting on it. And there is a difference. Like, you yeah. can't live in peace like that. So that's what pissed me off the most. That's why I did not give a fuck that Hillary was the same. I could take four more years of the same. And that chick had a resume. Fucking first lady, senator, secretary of state. Damn, that's like if you, I don't know, if you just went by resume, that's yeah. that's a very well-qualified person. Yeah. yeah. Another thing, too, I've been thinking about is just how, like, how it was the, almost like the uh, Democratic National, it was a Democratic game to lose, I think, and they lost it. And I don't know whether if, you, you know, you can't, you can only speculate as to whether Bernie would have won or not at this point, right? But... Surely there was someone who could have beat Trump. I don't know who that person is, yeah. if there was anybody. But it, it's just like I am a little like bitter too at at the Democrats for not for not being able to read this when you think. But if you're a politician, or if you're in this, like how can you not read something like this? I think though, or, like I'm not I'm not making that complaint, and the reason I'm not making that complaint. Is because I am, I am, and you are probably a registered member of the Democratic Party, and you didn't do anything about that. You didn't go get involved, either at the community level. You went and voted, and that is necessary. Yep. But if you are part of that party and you really care, you get involved in some way. Yeah. You put your time in. You fucking write a letter. You call your congressman. You do whatever. I don't even know who my fucking local congressman is, to be totally fucking honest <laughs> with you. Do you? Hmm. Do you? Do you? No. Yeah. So we can't complain if we're part of a party that we support. Like, because all, you know, even if you donate money, that's just going up to somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> no fucking idea. I don't know how this system works. We're completely uninformed, so I yeah. can't complain about it. Am I pissed that, you know, a bunch of people ignored Trump? And literally, I'm pissed about the vote. I'm not pissed about who was presented to me because I'm not part of that process. Yeah. So it's difficult for me to complain about that. Do I want to do, am I now thinking of how can I get involved? Yes. But I'm not part of it now. Yeah, fuck it's you. It's tough to complain. Well, you got my vote in four years. <laughs> <laughs> I catch you, catch you loud and clear, bro. I see, I see what you're hinting at. <laughs> no, but anyway, I wanted to let you, I know you guys got another podcast going. I want to guys take a break in between at least. You guys fucking been talking all day. Um, this one was actually recorded, so there's nice. that. <laughs> that works. Yeah. That works. Um, but anyway, th thanks again for doing this. You know, this was a, a really awesome conversation. Um, like like I say, what, what you guys do ultimately is very motivating to me. 
um, and again, this is this is me personally speaking personally right now, is is you know w- watching you know young Mexicans do this and do this in a way that I feel really reaches people and, and has an impact. It, it it's very motivating. Again, we we do this show because we we got tired of the way our city was portrayed. You know, like we say, we don't sugarcoat it. Yes, there is violence. All the fucking shit that's reported on is real. The reporters don't make anything up. But we there were so many stories in our town. There was so much else for for just fucking people stay away from Salinas. You know, they stay away because they think it's a fucking war zone. You know, and it's like, what the fuck are you doing? I mean, don't get me wrong. There's some neighborhoods after dark. I would not suggest you go to, you know, <laughs> unless you live there or you got some actual business there. But but every city has that. We're in fucking San Jose. It's fucking dude. Especially here downtown. God damn, you make some lefts and you're like, whoa, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm from Salinas. I know, I know where this is. But we're, we got a Whole Foods down the street here, so we're good. Yeah, uh, totally fucking Yuppieville right here. Yeah, but um, yeah, I'm gonna hit, there's a bookstore right here, right? Have mm-hmm. you ever been to Recycled, Recycle, uh, recycled yeah. Books? I'm going to see if I could, I can find a gift for my girlfriend. Um, but yeah, like I was saying, again, I love, you know, thank you for doing this. Even without talking to you guys, just for you guys doing it without even knowing about us, it was motivating to me, you know. You guys were, were you didn't realize it, but but all these weeks that you guys do stuff, it motivated me to keep this this going and, and really keep telling the story. Because, I mean, shit, sometimes... No, I, well, mostly last year or first year, you know, I'd be up at three fucking four in the morning editing shit. I don't know. Again, I, I'm not sound engineer. I'm. This isn't you know what I went to. Sc- well, I didn't go to school. I didn't go to, I didn't go to college. But still, <laughs> I, it was never. I don't know. It, it doesn't really interest me. You this know? isn't what I didn't go to school for. Yeah, it's, it's, I'm not. Yeah, I never wanted to be Dr. Dre. But then, and to do it and just have like a couple hundred people downloading, and I'm, I mean, I would tell Kuja, like, why the fuck do I do this, dude? Why the fuck am I staying at three in the morning? And you know, he'd be like, "Well, because you like it. You, you like what you're doing." And here we are, two years later, much, much more successful, and 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 again, and, and running across new people like you, and sitting here and actually talking to you, it it easily makes me want to do two more years. You know, like I, I don't, you know, I I believe in in what we're doing here. I believe in my town. I believe in our message. And it that you know that'll keep pushing me. And again, again, thank thank you guys for doing this. This was really awesome for me. Thank you. Keep it going, man. I think uh, you know if anybody has ideas, like they should just do them. The beauty of where we are at this point in time is that the technology is at everyone's fingertips. Fuck yeah! You can make videos. You can do podcasts. You can get them to millions of people if they're good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Again, we've we've had the new, you know the the newspaper, local newspaper. There, reach out to us. We do a video podcast for them, um, and they they wanted to w- work more, you know. And it was like, dude, you're fucking. What do you do? Ten thousand circulation a day, you know. We don't reach the world, but the world has access to us, you know. It's like, and so it's like, why limit yourself, you know? So yeah, so I, I agree. We we are in a, a very fortunate time. To be able to to really express ourselves, but but again, if, if we don't unite, if we don't do actually do something about it, it's just going to be the same. Y'all ever seen SLC Punk? Uh, it's been a I've long time. A long yeah. time yeah. But again, but but the, the ending, you know, where where he 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 accepts law school and, and all that, and he says, you know, what the fuck? That you can do way more damage to the system from the inside. You know, you could browbeat and shit all you want. But unless you fucking get people, you know, in city council, in judges, you know, in Congress, in governor office, we're not really going to progress. 
you know. But but again, I get this is the most long-winded thank you I, I ever. <laughs> but I, that's all I'm trying to say. It's just it's just thanks, you know. Yeah, thank you. Thanks sure. for responding. Thanks for yeah. doing this. This was awesome. Yeah. If anybody wants to check this stuff out, uh, YouTube thismadre.com. Spell out the dot. Desmadre, D-O-T-C-O-M. That's our channel. Or just go to desmadre.com, our website, and all the links are there. Yeah, and buy some shirts so we can get a season three of fucking... <laughs> yeah. of, of yeah, we're also power. doing, by the way, there's a, you've probably seen the Patreon thing, which is a really cool way to support like people doing stuff like that. But basically, like people can chip in like a dollar a month, and it just takes a buck off your credit card every month, and you know you get some insider access to what we're doing here. And it's another tool that's... You know, we just started it two weeks ago or three weeks ago or something. That oh, it's that new. Fuck. For us, it's new. The, yeah. the, the platform has been around oh, no, a while. No, no, yeah. yeah. Or like a year and a half or two years or something. But, I mean, we already have like, it's not many people, but we have $70 coming in a month now. Just from people who are literally giving us their money. Yeah. We don't have to give them anything other than continuing to make our stuff. That pays for like our internet or electricity here. Dude, yeah, it's great. yeah, it's fucking awesome! Fuck, like, it's yeah. amazing. Yeah, you know, and these are people we've never met, mm-hmm. and they're like, we have a guy who's giving us twenty dollars a month. I don't know so this guy. So, oh, pretty cool. hi, nah. <laughs> What's up, dude? Nah. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I didn't want to. I didn't want to brag. You know, I, was, I was trying to keep it underground, but twenty bucks a month. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, that's mother.com. Check out their Patreon. Check out uh, again the website, the store. They got the shirts are, are dope. I think you could even buy the glasses, the Juan Yerba's glasses on there. Um, so you You'd can like you can like act out your your fantasies. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we're gonna go Whole Foods and have a beer. Nice, like uh, the good capitalist that we are. Yep. <laughs> so are. so thanks thanks again, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yep. See y'all next week.